podcast where best friends and next door neighbors, Willow and Lillian, spill the tea on murder, mysteries, and other things that go bump in the night. So get your favorite teacup ready and let's get into it. Welcome to Cruelty Podcast. This is Lillian, and with me is Maris, because it's a Maris Monday. Hello. I said that all insane. Yeah. I try and say it a little different every time, but it just comes out crazy and stupid. It's fine. It's an yeah. it's an introduction or whatever. <laughs> it certainly is. Yeah. So today, I mean, this is one of those things that seems like it could have been a creepy, supernatural, twisty sort of thing, but uh-huh. it's not. Okay. But it's interesting. All right. And has had a recent update as of just like last week. Update. (laughs) (laughs) This is the story of the Somerset Man. That's a place like in in Elder Scroll. Well, no, that's spelled like summer, summertime, and this one's spelled S-O-M. So. I like Elder Scroll better. I know you do. That's your special interest. Yeah. Not relevant to the podcast. Oh. Yeah. You can't be a dark elf. I'm sorry. I want to be a dark elf when I grow up. It's my lifelong ambition. Yeah, well, you know, we all got to have something. Yeah. So, this is one of the more enduring mysteries. 74 years have passed without any clues until recently. And we'll cover the updates at the end of this case. Okay, like Unsolved Mysteries update. Yeah, and I'm not going to do the little noise, but I want to. Right. Okay, so this happened in Adelaide, Australia. On December 1st, 1948, a 16-year-old kid named Neil Day was riding horses on Somerton Beach with a friend. That sounds like fun. It does. And you know, it's funny because the uh, one of the several podcasts I listened to about this episode, the host said the same thing. Or it sounded like fun? Yeah. Well, it fucking does. It does sound like fun. <laughs> so they rode by a man who seemed to be sleeping on the beach, and they didn't really pay any attention to him. Other right. than thinking like, oh, dude's asleep on the beach. He's a bum. And I don't know how much time passed when they came back by the man, but I'm going to assume a while. Yeah. Because Neil noticed that the man had not moved at all. And so when he got off his horsey to check on him, the man... Poked him with a stick or... It didn't say, just... I don't think he poked him with a stick. I think he gave his shoulder a shake or something. Okay. Well, he was dead. Well, yeah. Yes. And... It wasn't the first time he'd been spotted. He'd been seen by a few people the previous day. By a jeweler, John Lyons, and his wife. They They were were just like, yeah, there was a dead body. No, they were out for a stroll and noticed a nicely dressed man lying on the beach. And as they watched, the man kind of raised his arm in a, like, wobbly fashion Uh and then let it fall to his side. John assumed the man was drunk. Okay. Half an hour later, another couple saw him and thought his manner of dress was kind of weird for the beach. He's in, like, a business suit. Right. And his shoes were, like, polished to a very high shine. So you don't want to take your, like, fancy businessman shoes out to the beach. Mm Mm-hmm. And more strangely is that mosquitoes had landed on his face and were, like, swarming all over his face. And the boyfriend joked to his girlfriend that he must be dead to the world. For the mosquitoes not to bother him. And I'm going to guess that that was true. Hmm. Yeah. Poor choice of words. 
On December 1st, when Neil Day discovered that the man was not sleeping or drunk, John Lyons emerged from his morning swim, you know, from the ocean, to notice a crowd of people around the man he thought was intoxicated. So the way the man was laying, because, like, there's a lot of... But he wasn't just laying in the sand. He was his back was pressed up against like a wall. Uh-huh. And his ankles were crossed and his arms were just kind of at his sides. So I mean he could have been you know A lot I, of people seen this dude. A lot of people did. No one helped him. And like a half smoked cigarette was resting on his collar like it had just fallen out of his mouth. Authorities had the body taken to the Royal Adelaide Hospital, where Dr. John Barkley recorded his time of death as 2 a.m. December 1st. The cause of death was listed as heart failure with suspected poisoning. In fact, um, later the coroner would go on to say his cause of death could not be determined. Hmm. So far, like this is intriguing, but it's nothing earth shattering. And then it gets weird. All of the tags were cut from his clothing. The man had no form of identification on his person. Fingerprinting him didn't turn up anything either. No one came forward to identify the man. He was well-dressed and well-groomed, so surely someone was missing the guy. He wasn't like a transient. Right. What, what, that that did they say what year it was? Or? 1948. Okay, yeah. That was long, a long time ago. Additionally, he had tickets from the Adelaide Beach, two combs, a pack of Army Club cigarettes, which held seven cigarettes of a different, more expensive brand called Kinsitas. His pants pocket had a tear that had been repaired with bright orange thread. Okay. After autopsy, it was noted that his pupils were smaller than usual. Spit had run out of the corner of his mouth like he couldn't swallow. Mm -hmm. His spleen was three times the normal size and firm, which is bad. (laughs) <laughs> I don't fucking know. Should your spleen be squishy or firm? I, I don't know. Well, it should be squishy, not firm. Oh. And his liver was congested with blood, which sounds fucking gross. Yeah, it does. And it, and his stomach had blood in it, too. Like, he was just bleeding. He was internal. fucked up from the inside. He was. His, this is, okay, this is the part of the story that is just weird, and it's I'm going to use the words they used, but this is not the words I would use. Okay. His calf muscles were very high and well-defined, which is indicative of an athlete, like a runner. He is in his mid-40s. He uses a stairmaster. Well, I'll get to it in a minute. <laughs> and, like, he's a, he seemed to be in okay physical health. Like, there was no evidence of physical trauma on the outside of the body. Mm-hmm. And no, like, the doctor and the coroner suspected poisoning, but the chemist that they hired to come, like, the famous chemist who was really good at chemisting, couldn't find any evidence of poisoning. Hmm. Like, no traces. His last meal had been a pasty, which is like a meat pie. It's like a I know what those are. Yeah, they make them in Michigan. Well, most people don't know. Oh. Or might not know. They're really yummy. They're fucking good. I've made them. Yeah, I ate a pizza. It's basically like a calzone. It's a calzone, just not Italian. He like um, he had wedge shaped toes. Wedge shaped like toes. So and, and strong toes. calves. So he's like a dancer. Well, hold on. 
one of the men who examined him believed that his feet and calves showed signs of wearing high-heeled shoes <gasps> and hinted strongly that he was a cross-dresser. Dang. Which is a bit salacious. Yeah, that's and in the 40s. Let, let's just go ahead and make our stance known. Cross-dress all you want. I think it's rad. Right. Those don't have a gender. That's dumb. Right. Uh, but back in 1948, people were like, oh. Right. They clutched their pearls. Right. And all that. So... Another man suggested perhaps he'd been a ballet dancer, like mm-hmm. you said, yeah. because it makes your because your calves and your calves. But you know, if he'd been a ballet dancer, he'd been reported missing. There'd be posters with his face on it. There was people would notice if he was like a famous ballet right. dancer. Yeah, and he just didn't like look the part other than having nice legs. <laughs> He's got good gams. <laughs> Get a load of those gams. Get a load of those gams. <laughs> Oh my God. His stems, if you will. Yeah, that's the. A lovely low, pair of stems. The lower half of your body is known as your stem. This is your leg. No, this, you got stems. Oh my God, Miras. The Adelaide coroner had his work cut out for him. Thomas Cleland surmised that a quickly decaying rare poison must have been used, one that wouldn't be detectable after a few hours of ingestion. In fact, uh, the poisons he suspected were so dangerous. <laughs> this is so stupid. I'm sorry. When presenting this, like, evidence to, like, the at the inquest about this guy's death, he, he wouldn't say out loud what the poisons were because they were so dangerous. Yeah, this guy with excellent gams was poisoned crazily. <laughs> Either with digitalis or stophanin. Stophathin? Sorry. I'm Why is that bad guy. to say? So Sir Cedric Hicks was a professor, and he's the one who suggested this to the coroner, and he believed it was stophathin, which is produced from seeds from Africa and only used by one Somali tribe to poison the tips of their arrows. And I'm going to go ahead and say no. The craziest theory. (laughs) It's just stupid. Like, so somebody went all the way to Africa to get these crazy seeds. I'll get a second opinion on this. And then made it into a poison. So dangerous, we can't even say the name aloud. It's not Voldemort. Right, that's why I'm confused. Like, what? It, it, well, it's named Stophiles. Maybe it's the, the devil poison or something. No, it's not Stophiles. It's Stoppathen. Oh, damn. I can't say it right, y'all. I'm dumb. Sorry. No, no we're, we can't. We're, we're not. My banjo mouth is getting in the way of saying words right, and that's not my fault. Right, we're, we're not smart or anything. No. Like, where would the possible perpetrator have acquired this, like, mystical African poison? From in the 1940s. It's not like you can get it from Amazon. Bullshit. Okay, so no matter how widely they circulated the photos of this man, no matter where they sent his fingerprints or how many people viewed the body, he still went unidentified. The investigation widened before it went to a standstill. Investigators scoured hotels and other places like unclaimed luggage checks, you know, like Mm -hmm. coat checks, and came up with a promising lead. On November 30th, a brown suitcase had been left at the main railway station in Adelaide under the name Thomas Keene. Okay. But it wasn't Thomas Keene's, obviously. Its contents only deepened the mystery. Inside was the orange thread identical to the thread used to repair a hole in the man's pocket. Just like the clothes, anything that could identify the man had been removed with great care. All but three tags from the clothes had been removed, and these bore the name of T. Keen 
or keen with an E. Like it was either keen without an E or mm-hmm. keen with an E. And investigators kind of thought that those were like red herrings. Right. Like, I don't, for the record. I think that's stupid. Yeah. Um, I don't know why they just didn't assume his name was Thomas Keene. I guess because there was no missing person report with that person's name. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So. I'm baffled. I have no idea. I, I can't think of a. So what else he had in his suitcase was a stencil kit that someone would use to put the words cargo on like a package. Right. A coat with American style stitching. So they kind of assumed that it was like an Australian who had been to America recently or an American who'd come to Australia. Right. Another expert was brought in on the baffling case, and he was a pathology professor emeritus, which means you are the fucking most professory professor ever. Yeah, I don't even have that in my title. No, you don't. His name was John Cleland. He examined the body, the contents of the suitcase, and the clothes inside the trousers, and that's when he found a hidden pocket. A hidden pocket? A tiny hidden pocket. Like a little door. <laughs> Not like a door. Oh. Like a pocket. Dang. And it was on the waistband of the trousers. Uh-huh. And inside of it was a rolled up piece of paper with fancy typed words. Not regular type. Not a wiener. There wasn't fancy. a wiener drawn on it. There was no dicks here. Okay. And the word was tamam shud, which is a Persian phrase for it is ended. What? <laughs> like, where is the story going? I don't understand. Dude, I've only just begun. It's going to get weirder. Okay, so in the tiny little pocket. Is Tamam Shoot. And this dude is Australian. It's got American clothes. It's all crazy. Hmm. So the words had been torn from a rare edition of a book called The Rubiat of Omar Khayyam. Mm-hmm. And it's just called The Rubiat. I'm not saying that whole thing again. No, we're bad at pronouncing stuff. The book had come from New Zealand, and it's an 11th century book of poems, Persian poems. This is a mystery wrapped within a labyrinth. Clearly an interesting find, but it got them no closer to the identity uh, identity of the man who killed him or why. The book was actually really popular in Australia after World War II. So, I mean, it's not that weird that he'd have access to the book. Mm-hmm. But investigators tried and failed to find the book where the little page had been ripped out. Right. And to no avail. That is, until July 23rd, eight months after the man turned up dead on the beach, a man had parked his car mm-hmm. near the beach on December 1st. Right. And with his windows down. Yeah. And he found a copy of the Rubiat thrown into the back of his car. Weird. It was the one the, the little slip of paper came out of. It was the book all along. The book did it. No. On the back of the book was an unlisted telephone number. When called, it went to a 27-year-old female nurse. Now, here's where things get kind of wacky because her name was supposedly never publicly released, but I see it as like Jesse Joe Thompson, Jennifer Joe Thompson, and a nickname Justin. I'm going to go with the nickname. It's easier to say. JJJ. A bunch of J's. So, Justin had given a copy of the book of poems to a man during the war. His name was Alfred Boxall. Mm-hmm. And some sources say the woman's, like, that's what I said. I just got lost in my notes. 
so I'm just I don't know why we're keeping it's Jesse Joe Thompson is her name I don't know why several sources said it was never reported because that's just her fun maybe they just didn't do their homework I guess not they thought they'd solved the case. Unfortunately, when they traced the name to an address in New South Wales, they discovered that Alfred Boxall was still alive, and yes, Justin had given him a poetry book, which he still had in his possession and didn't have any pages tore out of. Mm-hmm. So, what the fuck? But who was phone? But who was phone? Investigators questioned Justin again, and they had already buried the man they found on the beach because he's stanky by now. Right, he had, like, mosquitoes all over him. And they took a plaster cast of his face. Okay. And when they showed it to this nurse, this young lady, she almost fainted. Well, I mean, that is creepy. And then she said, I don't know who it is. I have no idea. I don't know why they never questioned her very hard, because they didn't. Yeah, she was acting real squirrely. She was acting squirrely, which is an official Arkansas term. Uh Uh-huh. For suspicious. So... She just continually denied. In addition to the phone number that didn't help but should have was a coded message. To this day, the code's never been cracked. It was a bunch of, like, random letters. I bet he's a Zodiac killer. He is not. We know who he is now, and I'll get to that. Ted Cruz? No, God. Okay. (laughs) So we're going to go over the fun theories before we get to the updates on the case. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Theory number one should be pretty obvious. The guy committed suicide and mm-hmm. didn't want to be found. Like, he didn't want his, for reasons only known to him, maybe he didn't want his family to know. With a crazy African poison or something. Who knows? He, he took barbiturates and they didn't have the tests for those. Something like that. And that the Rubiot paper in his pocket was kind of his suicide letter. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, it is finished. That's... Yeah, that's true. And the Rubiot itself is a book of poems about life and death and mortality. Okay. So, I mean, that fits the theme of killing yourself. That still leaves the reason that he has Justin's number and the secret code a bit of a mystery. Yep. And his method of death, we still don't know. But there was a similar case... that happened to a male suicide victim in Australia that happened a few years earlier. That man was also found with a copy of the Rubiot. Is it like... It's a weird coincidence. Yeah. But I think that's cool. That's why I included it. So he was a spy, is the second theory, mm-hmm. murdered by the Russians. That's what I heard. That was, like, when I, when I heard of this case, that's, I think, what they the theory... Focused on? Yeah. This is my least likely theory. I think this is stupid, but I'll give it anyway. This was at the dawn of the Cold War and paranoia was high. A Soviet spy ring had just been discovered in an embassy in Australia. It would explain the tags cut out of clothes and weird poison they couldn't find. I mean, the Russians have a literal heart attack gun. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's not too much of a stretch. And, you know, his identity is a mystery. There's a similar case to yeah. this one okay. called the Isdal Woman. And it's about a woman who cut all the tags out of her clothes and committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And they've never identified her either. There are several of these cases, and she had, like, disguises or something. And people use, like, catcher in their eye, so people are weird about books and stuff, you know? Yeah, it could be a coded message, yeah. like a spy code on the book and mm-hmm. all that nonsense. And... 
Justin's daughter, Kate, later told the media after her mother's death that Justin had a dark side, and she frequently caught her mother speaking Russian in a hushed, like, whispers over the phone, and that she was also an English teacher and had been teaching English to Russians who had recently immigrated to Australia after the war. Mm -hmm. And I mean... I, I just think that's more paranoia. I don't think he was a fucking spy. I mean, there are spies in the world and stuff. Spies exist, but that one just never, never struck me as correct. I, I have no idea. Yeah. Theory three is he's an alien. No, oh. is a little more plausible to me, but also really wacky. A love triangle involving the nurse Justin and. Some other man. Okay. Maybe Alfred Boxall. He's handsome. Not really. Um, So, Justin had a baby out of wedlock around the time that the Somerset man was found. Uh And she had a son named Robin. And the jealous lover either forced forced her to rid herself of the Somerton man she was having an affair with or he killed him remember she's a nurse Mm -hmm. she's gonna have access to pharmaceuticals that could be hard to trace like succinylcholine what what now succinylcholine (laughs) succinylcholine is a drug they give you when you're in the hospital the anesthesiologist gives it to you to make your breathing stop you're alive but your lungs ain't working and you are paralyzed yeah anesthesia yeah, it's not fun. You don't want to. You don't want to be awake for that shit. Uh uh-uh. So her son, she had a son named Robin, and so we had a guy investigating this, and he said he took a picture of Robin and the Somerton man, and they both had similar ears and missing incisor teeth, which is genetic. Okay. Of course, this is all horseshit. Oh. But the guy investigating this tracked down Robin's daughter, the mm-hmm. son, mm-hmm. and. Uh, since Robin was dead when he came up with his crazy-ass theory. And then he married her. The investigator married the daughter. Oh, weird. Of Justin's son. Yeah. What a crazy fucking case. So, what, what's the deal? Like, <laughs> oh, his phone! Yeah. Uh, that was nothing. I think that maybe... Here's... Before I go on, I'm going to give my theory. Okay. I believed and always believed he was just some dude from Australia that had a rough time. Either he lost his job, he got divorced, and so he went to the beach to have a last hurrah. Uh And I think that he had like a brief little love affair with that nurse. He met her at a bar. She gave him a book of poetry because that's just her calling card. Uh And he took that as a sign. He ripped the little page out, shoved it in his little secret pocket, and killed himself. With how? You know, drugs. Maybe he drank too much. Who knows? Okay. Like, it's really hard. Like, the forensics weren't yeah, as good Yeah, this back was then. in the 40s. 1948. They fucking suck at it, so. Yeah. The, he could have taken it like poison they didn't know about. He could have drank Drano. We don't know. Right. He definitely ingested something that fucked him up. Just in his stomach bleed. And his liver and his spleen went nuts. Yeah. So I think I'm right, and I especially think I'm right because here's the update. Mm-hmm. We have identified the Somerton Man. Bow, bow, bow. Researchers using forensic genealogy have identified the man as Carl, who went, he went Carl. by Charles yeah. Webb. Yeah. He had become estranged from his wife. He was a bit of a loner and a lover of poetry. 
Charles had a sister married to a man named Thomas Keene, which explained why he had some of that stuff. Sort of. Maybe he got his clothes or something? Yeah, he just maybe borrowed some stuff from him, you know? Yeah. The code was likely the first letters of names of horses because he loved betting on horse races. Okay. So now we know the who, but we kind of still don't know the how or the why, although, again, he just split up from his wife. Uh-huh. He's a, kind of a loner anyway. He goes out to the beach. He wants to go bet on horse races. should have asked that one lady who, like, freaked out. Well, she's dead now. Yeah. And her daughter is, like, into the conspiracy theories. I don't know why. I think just for attention or something. Well, he wasn't a fucking spy. He was just a dude. Yeah, maybe kind of a loser who drank too much and bet on horses. Yeah, and liked poetry. He was just sensitive, and him and his wife split up. Yeah. She filed for divorce in 1952 because he fucked off. To her, he just fucked off. Yeah. No one reported him missing. Because she was mad at him, and she was glad he fucked off. <laughs> he sounds like it probably, he probably sucked. Yeah, so, I mean, it's not a strange case, but it's nice to have an answer to something, a cold case that's 74 years old. I really think the genetic genealogy is cool as shit. Right. Because that's how they got the Golden State, like, rapist. That's how. Yeah. Um, didn't they identify the Zodiac Killer with it, too? Ted somehow? Cruz? It's not fucking Ted Cruz. <laughs> I love that joke. The joke is funny, and Ted Cruz is a giant bag of dog shit. That's true. Much like the Zodiac Killer. Yeah, well, gosh, I don't know. Can you equate them? I'm not going to Well, the Zodiac it. Killer killed people. That's not a nice thing to do. Well, no, but I'm saying, like, do we want to insult the Zodiac Killer that way? <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I really that's fucking a good hate point. Ted Cruz. Yeah. He sucks. Didn't he just vote against, like... He wants to undo gay marriage. Well, he can undo my ass. Right. Okay, so, as per usual, I challenged Ted Cruz to a back alley duel. Yeah, absolutely. I will fight the fuck out of him. Yeah. I will punch him in the gooch. Have you ever heard him talk? He talks like a big wiener. He does talk like a big wiener. <laughs> If you imagined a giant anthropomorphic penis talking, yeah. that's what Ted Cruz sounds like. Sort of like, meh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound cool at asshole. all. Yeah, so hey, we have a new patron. Yeah, on Patreon. And they're from Malaysia, and I don't know why. I just think it's really cool. That is cool. I, I don't know why they find us interesting, but I appreciate I it. I don't even know where Malaysia is. It's far away. Uh, it's an island nation, isn't it? I know it's an island. Yeah, over by... Asia, East Asia. Oh, very good. I it mean, has it in the name. I know, but it's like Indonesia area? I think so. But again, we're stupid. Yeah, I'm And dumb. could be wrong. And I don't want to insult anyone. No, I don't mean, I'm just... I've never, but it made me realize, as a chubby person who loves eating, I don't think I've ever had Malaysian food. I would love to eat it. I'm going to remedy that situation this week. I'm going to eat Malaysian food. That's cool. I love experiencing culture through food, like, a whole lot. Like, right. I just want to eat my way I mean, if we can get the all the world. ingredients... Well, you can do substitutions. Yeah. You know, you do my best. Because we make everything. I do, I cook. It's not like a like Malaysian restaurant things. around here. No, there's not a Malaysian restaurant around here. In fact, I've never even seen one, but I'm sure they exist. Yeah. And I want to eat it. I think it sounds, I like the name, and I'm sure it's a beautiful country. Oh, we, we'll look it up after. Know. Well, it's an before. island country, and you know, I want to go to a beach real fucking bad. Yes. More than anything. I mean, we got lakes around here. That's not the same. Mm. There's not tiny little seashells. There's not a little crab I can look at and laugh at. None of that's going on. No. No jellyfish. No sea turtle. 
I want jellyfish to see are dicks, so. I've seen a jellyfish. They're cool looking. They are dicks, so. I don't care. I think they're neat. Sharks. Those are also neat. <laughs> but anyway, I just thought that was neat. And and it's kind of a seg into why should you become a patron on our Patreon? Well, I'll tell you there's why. There's lots of stuff. There's lots of reasons why. Number one, there's no ads. Ads are annoying. Mm-hmm. But we got to pay those bills. And so if you join our Patreon, every episode is ad-free. In addition, we do an exclusive patrons-only weekly episode. It doesn't follow our theme, and it's kind of about whatever we're in the mood for. Some of our better cases in my opinion have been patreon cases yep super fun and we have a discord but anybody can join that and you should you should join our discord it's very silly in there yep it's very fun and you can suggest cases also if you're a patron not always but you usually get the episode early before anyone else and you get to know our monthly theme a month ahead of time and suggest cases that's cool that is cool in fact the bulk i would say at least 50 percent of our cases for Survivor Month in August mm-hmm. came from Patreon. Yeah. And they're really interesting. So, oh, and that's another thing. If uh, you missed the previous episode where we announced next month's theme, it is Survivor Month. It is people who survived their true crime incident. They almost got true crimed. But they did not. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, it's nice to end a story on a more hopeful good note right because man you know covering cases where people are murdered horribly every day is a bit depressing sometimes yeah so sometimes i'd like to not i'm also thinking about not this year probably but next uh doing a true crime that's not necessarily murder that's cool yeah there's a lot of i mean like scams and stuff i, I find those interesting db cooper db cooper He's dead. I don't think that's a mystery. I don't get why people think it's a coast mystery. Coast to Coast says that he's like a pawn shop guy in like Southern California. I like that coast story. Coast to Coast can kiss my ass. I love that story, though. I'm never going to get to ghost, guest host it now because I've talked too much shit. But that used to be a dream of mine as a kid. Yeah. And plus George Norrie, he just is insufferable. He is insufferable. You hear that? I'll fight him. Oh, I'll fight him so good. Just, I'll ring his bell. I, I used to be a coast insider. You did. When we met, you were a but, coast insider. And I, and I tolerated George Norrie for a long time, but I just couldn't. Ooh, all them peddling them supplements. I think it was around the Trump time. I just And couldn't. then the Trump-supporting, COVID-denying, anti-vaxxy. Yeah, and he's got, like, the word. He had, like, Roger Stone on his on his show a bunch of times. He's had Roger Stone several times, and he's also a giant twat. Yeah, and uh, what's his name? Other Corbin or something? I can't remember his fucking name, but, like, another guy who's very... Right, alt-right pieces of yes, shit. Yes, yep. Who I will also fight. I don't care if they're old men. I'll kick him. We'll kick them in an alley. Mm-hmm. I just think they're too scared to fight me. Yeah, probably an old. Good. I'll take your walker and beat you with it. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Don't talk a bunch of shit. If uh, Don't write checks with your mouth that your ass can't cash. And George Nor used to do all these commercials for Newsmax. Oh, Newsmax God. sucks. Didn't they get rid of Newsmax? Uh, they know that OBN, or whatever that other one is, no, that's OAN like, was going away. OBGYN no. is like a person in delivery. Anyway, I think Haiti. Newsmax is getting sued or something like that. It is getting sued. I saw it. I'm not sure the if news. they're quite dead yet. Hopefully soon. Yes. Alex because Jones is filing for bankruptcy. Ooh. Mm, Isn't that sad? Yeah. Uh, did, did you want to talk about our store? Uh, I will, 
briefly talk about it. So if you've gone to my website, wolvesandwinealchemy.com recently, you might be like, Lillian, there's nothing up there. And that's true. That's because we moved into a brick and mortar location. Yep. Which is really fucking cool. Downtown Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Six Main Street. Go check it out. Yeah, go check it out if you're in the neck of the woods. It's underneath the bridge. It is under a bridge downtown. Yeah. Like that song. Uh, But also... The website is expensive, and I've decided that if you want to, like, all my sales are like 99% through Facebook anyway, so it'll be routed there from now on if you want to purchase some soap. And we've already announced the winner of the uh, drawing that we had, and uh, that's been, if you didn't get a message from me, it wasn't you. Well, I mean, congratulations to the person who won. If they're listening, they're winners. In it, not of that contest, but in their own special way. In their own special way. You're a winner for hearing our voices. Every tea bag's a winner. Every tea bag is a winner on Cruel Tea Podcast. Thanks, Maris. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Look, y'all, you, you might say, like, surely he's not like this all the time. No, no, he is. I'm like this in real life for sure, yep. Yeah. He's just uh, ornery. Yeah. That's, squirrely. You are definitely squirrely. Yeah. Kind of have a squirrely mustache. I do, yeah, yeah. You kind of look like a villain a little bit. I do look a little bit like Satan. <laughs> wow, yeah. I wouldn't go that far, yeah. but, you know, I'm into it. Yeah. Weak. And on that note... <laughs> fuck off. On that note, we're going to say goodnight, because this is getting silly. Bye. Bye.